If you want to spend less time going to the grocery store, then you need to check out ButcherBox. It's a super convenient way to find high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust. ButcherBox only sells 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. And you know what all that means. No antibiotics or added hormones, so you get peace of mind that you're eating healthy food. On top of all that, ButcherBox makes shopping simpler because it gets delivered right to your doorstep. Shipping is always free, and you can customize your meal plan so you're only getting exactly what you want. We've tried everything from pork chops to tenderloins at our house, and they're always a huge hit. ButcherBox prices are as good or better than what you can find at the store, plus they have exclusive member deals, as well as a ton of recipes, cooking tips, and other kitchen hacks to choose from. So sign up at ButcherBox.com LISC and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. So sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash LISK, L-I-S-K, and use code LISK to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus $20 off your first order. Mopac Audio. Thank you for joining us on this episode of LISK, Long Island Serial Killer. We were able to sit down again with Mary Murphy, who is a veteran journalist at PIX11. She's been covering this beat, New York and Long Island, for a long time. She's been at it for 40 years. She is incredible. And Mary, on this episode, runs through the wild press conference that John Ray had and the allegations and the witnesses that have come forward to him. John Ray is an attorney to some of the families of the victims, including the Gilbert family. And this was a press conference that he had this past Wednesday, which is October 18th. And John Ray was joined by SCPD Commissioner Rodney K. Harrison. So uh, she's going to go into those witnesses and what they had to say and how they tied to Rex. And we also discussed the statement made by Suffolk County DA Tierney after the press conference, uh, where he kind of takes the wind out of it and it, it is critical of this press conference. So we're trying to understand how that works between the police commissioner and the DA. So there's a lot here and uh, it's pretty interesting. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Mary Murphy. And if you're not following her yet on social media, uh, you should. She is. She covers the stuff and she covers it well. How about if you just jump in and start telling us, you know, about Wednesday's press conference that was called John Ray, kind of what, what your overall thoughts about it. And then we'll kind of go through what he brought up. So I was in the middle of the Midtown Tunnel heading to my office when I was told to turn around and drive 70 miles east to go to John Ray's office. And we all know that John Ray is an attorney in the middle of this case because he represents the family of Shannon Gilbert and also was involved with Jessica Taylor's family. So went all the way out there and we were supposed to be there by 3.15, so that makes the deadline tough. But what was sort of stunning is that we heard that Police Commissioner Harrison, Rodney Harrison of the Suffolk County Police Department would be there with John Ray to discuss some potential new evidence concerning Karen Vergata, the first known victim of the Gilgo Beach killer, and Shannon Gilbert, who has not been formally tied to the killer, but is right at the center of the case because her disappearance spawned the investigation. So anyway, I called Commissioner Harrison right away and he told me, yes, I will be there, but he did not want to confirm what would be spoken about. So we got there, John Ray came out, and then the commissioner pulled up in his car and they stood together. And it was sort of unprecedented to see something like this in all my 40 years of reporting. 
usually if the police commissioner is present at a press conference, it's on his turf. But in this case, John Ray was holding the press conference and he was standing with him in Miller Place, Long Island, which is where John Ray is based. That's where his office is. And then John Ray was basically presiding over the press conference and launched into his statement about four new witnesses that he's met. Two of them signed sworn affidavits and they contained wild charges about Rex Uerman and some of the people that died connected to the Gilgo case. Yes. Let's talk about that. Can we how about if we start with the affidavit from the the woman who would attend swingers clubs in New York and then, you know, she was hooking up with this policeman, NYPD policeman, according to the affidavit and what John Ray shared. Do you want to share it and walk through it? Yes. I mean, so she was considered witness number 1, the first person that was spoken about. And if you're looking for a headline and you're on a deadline, when you hear a swinger and a club in Midtown and one of the victims being picked up by an off-duty New York City police detective, I mean, that's explosive just to begin with. But, you know, what this woman was saying in her sworn statement is that she saw a posting at this swingers club that was known as Trapeze, and it was based in Midtown Manhattan. And one of the posts was from, allegedly, Rex Uerman, and asked for some people to come out to his house in Massapequa Park, Long Island. And that's a bit of a hike, a bit of a drive. And what this woman claimed is that her date picked up a woman she now believes to be Karen Vergata on the way to Long Island. And she said that Vergata, if it was indeed her, was in a bad state. She called her hungry and homeless. John Ray said that the woman had just gotten out of jail. So apparently this woman that was picked up was scared. And the witness is saying that she told her not to be scared because the man who was driving was a cop. And she used the initials RW. So she said that they went out to Massapequa Park and they entered by the side at nighttime. And she said, my partner, who I believe was bisexual, kept disappearing. Karen went downstairs. I believe my date was elsewhere in the house. She alleged she believed he was having sex with Rex Heuerman. The one statement I found odd in this affidavit, she then added, I believe I had sex with Rex as well. Now, if she was involved with him sexually, this man, Rex, is six foot five. Wouldn't you think she'd remember that encounter? I mean, even if she was a swinger and, you know, had different partners, you would think that if she made this long trip to a house in Long Island, that she would remember that. But she said, I believe that that statement kind of that one sentence stuck with me. So then she said that uh, she was talking to Rex's wife and claims that she asked the wife if she wanted to get involved with her. And the wife said no. And then she said eventually that her partner, her date wanted to leave. But one thing she added was that this was around Valentine's Day that this took place. I found that a little curious as well, because it's been well established that Karen Vergata disappeared about Valentine's Day of 1996, and then her legs washed up on Fire Island two months later in April of 1996. Now, of course, we didn't know who Karen Vergata was until this year after the arrest of Rex Heuerman. A couple of weeks later, the district attorney announced that um, his office had identified Jane Doe number seven as Karen Vergata from the North Shore of Long Island originally. When she disappeared, she was living on West 45th Street in Manhattan. So the fact that Valentine's Day was mentioned in this affidavit stuck out to me because 
it was already established that Karen Vergata had disappeared about that time. The witness said that she used to go swinging with her boyfriend on holidays like Christmas, Valentine's Day, Halloween, other holidays. And she noted that there was still a Christmas tree on the main floor of the Uerman house. And she found that odd. Uh, the last thing she said in the statement was that her boyfriend wanted to leave and they went out the back door and then he complained that he left his belt behind. So he went to the house to retrieve it. And she said, that's when she saw the face of the woman that I believe to be Karen up against a window at the house. She looked scared. I had a sense she was calling for help. I told RW her date of this. The woman I believe to be Karen suddenly ran outside naked and ran about by the garage. RW had gone to the back of the house to look for his belt. He came back to the car. RW told me not to worry about her. She was okay. They were only playing a game. We left without her. I felt uneasy that we left without the woman. And she concludes the statement by saying, I saw Rex on TV recently and a picture of Karen Vergata. I recognized her as the woman who RW and I brought to Uerman's home. I was shocked and deeply sorrowful for having left her behind at Uerman's house. I told John Ray of these things because I needed to speak with him so that Karen would not be left behind again. And this statement is notarized, I believe, by John Ray, because he's not only a lawyer, he's a notary public. Yeah. So that's the end of the first statement. So this is, you know, 96, 27 years ago-ish, you know. So yeah, the things that I found interesting, one is exactly what you said. We discussed this, that she said, I might have had sex with Rex as well, but couldn't remember that. But remembers crazy details about the night, like picking people up and stopping for gas and telling her you should shower when you get there. And then, so I maybe it's just the shame of the whole Rex thing. Maybe if it's, you know, that was something that was odd to us. And then that they would pick someone who's homeless and hungry on the way out to a sex party seems kind of odd. I thought that was strange. And then the last thing that I saw in that affidavit is that during this sex party, at some point she states that Rex goes out and starts burning stuff in a barrel. Yes. And that almost seems to jive with what one of his neighbors had said on national television that at times Rex Ullman would burn stuff in his backyard and he was always troubled by that. So it just seems like certain details that are in here have been said before about Rex Ullman and things that went on in his household. Yeah. And that's kind of good or bad, depending on how you look at this statement. I mean, obviously they, they swore it under oath and that sort of thing just weird details that made me go like, wow, this is, this is crazy. But when you think about Harrison, Commissioner Harrison being there, he's kind of endorsing John Ray and at least trying to say, hey, let's be open to other things, which I appreciate. But do you think he did much vetting of this information? What, do you know anything about that? The one thing he did state at the press conference, and he was being very cautious in his responses to my questions, but he did state that he sat down with the second witness for the affidavit, and that involved a female taxi driver who claimed that she believes she had two encounters with Rex Uerman back in the fall of 2009. He said that he sat down for her. He didn't feel that she had any agenda, that what was she going to gain by going public, which she hasn't really gone public because we don't know her name, but she did go public with the police. He said that 
some people don't want to use the Crime Stoppers hotline at the police department, and they choose to go to John Ray instead because they know him as someone associated with the case. So he said he was keeping an open mind, so to speak, and he would look at the information and work on it. He said he didn't want anyone to ever say that they received information at the police department and didn't check it out. And that could go back to the criticism early in the case when we found out Rex Hewerman had been arrested. People were saying, some reporters were saying that there was the tip about the green Chevy Avalanche and it wasn't acted on. You know, we've heard different things about that. You know, it may not have been that specific about the type of vehicle early on in the investigation. Uh, I had also heard that they were following other leads, the police, Mm -hmm. when this first happened. Uh, Amber Costello was not identified immediately, and her boyfriend, her roommate, was questioned probably a a couple of months later after the bodies were found. So, you know, I think Commissioner Harrison was trying to make the point that we don't want to be accused of not following every avenue, every lead. So the second affidavit... Um, Do you want to talk us through that one? And that is the cab driver, correct? Right. So in this affidavit, which was longer, she talked about two separate incidents. Uh, She was a taxi driver in Suffolk County, New York. She said the company she worked for was called Colonial and that the employer was based in Sayville, New York. And the first incident she talked about involved a call that she was sent out on to exit 59 off the Long Island Expressway. And she was supposed to pick up a person named Matt. Now, she said when she got to the location, which was a bar, a, quote, extraordinarily large man wearing an army-like fatigue jacket crouching down on a very small street next to the bar was observed by her. She said he rose up and she said he was immense in size and he approached the cab and she noticed his hair was light-colored. And She said that she didn't really have a destination where she was supposed to go She said the man came to the car and said something to the effect of, we're going for a long ride in the woods. And he indicated that he was going to go with a girl that was in a house across the street from the bar. Now, this immediately was a red flag for this woman, this taxi driver. And so she got into some kind of an argument with the man she's identifying as Rex Heuerman. And she said he was very annoyed that she would not go into the woods for this drive. And as they argued... He allegedly said if he wanted to kill her, he would have just give him a reason to do so. And she said she heard the click of a gun and her dispatcher also heard that and supposedly called the police. And then at some point, this taxi driver asked Rex Hewerman, are you a cop? And he said, yeah, in Brooklyn. So she said then the girl's boyfriend at the house across the street apparently pulled into the driveway And the taxi driver said, well, I'm not going on this trip. And she claims that the large man went into a nearby wooded area and shot off his gun two times and that the dispatcher had heard this. And the taxi driver claims after that she drove down the street and a Suffolk County police officer was approaching from the other direction and he didn't have headlights on. And she said something to the cop like, he's one of yours. He's had a bad night. He pulled a gun and the officer's vehicle that just kept going along down the street. Now, this witness says that recently she saw Rex Heuerman on TV. He was the large man I encountered in the incident described above, and he was the large man I saw in the incident that I will describe below. And that's the second incident in the affidavit, which involves, according to her, Shannon Gilbert. And she said that she was supposed to pick up a passenger 
at the Sayville Motor Lodge on Sunrise Highway, which is on the south shore of Long Island. It's in Suffolk County. And she said that the passenger was supposed to be a female who had locked herself in a bathroom and that she was supposed to, the driver, flash the lights when she got near the door of the room where this female was. And at this point in the affidavit, the driver claims, I saw a dark, apparently greenish gray SUV on a side street near the motel. I drove into the parking lot. I blew my car's horn and I flashed my lights at the room. And this is when the witness claims a very large man came out. He ran to the side street. He tried to block his face with his arms. Then a girl ran out. She was petite. She was crying and shaking. And the affidavit goes on to say, the girl told me that she met the large man on Craigslist. He befriended her. She said that he said to her he would take care of her mom, her sisters, and her boyfriend. She also said that the woman in the car was upset that this man, quote, placed a thick white envelope on the nightstand in the room. She said that he told her that whatever happens tonight, this envelope was for her and her family. But she said that she saw a rage in his face. She said the envelope was filled with cut up paper. She said that he shook her and that he was aggravated. Later in the affidavit, this woman that she ultimately identifies as looking like Shannon Gilbert said that, quote, they were always calling her to come out to Long Island. She said she did not want to come out to Long Island. She told me about her family, including her sisters and her mother. Much of our conversation took place at the Sayville Motor Lodge or at the Ronkonkoma train station. She had a long wait in order to take the 2 a.m. train to New York City. She had a distinctive voice. She was articulate. And the affidavit ends with the driver saying, I saw her on TV where she was identified as Shannon Gilbert. I am certain that the girl was Shannon Gilbert. I recognized her unusual eye droop and her voice. Her story, she told me of her family, matched the family of Shannon Gilbert. Rex Ewerman appeared to me to be the very big man I saw coming from the motel room that I mentioned in my affidavit. I recognized Shannon Gilbert. Pretty much that's near the end of the affidavit. You know, that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify is your POS command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that unites your in-person and online sales into one seamless process. Easily track every sale across your business and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. You can take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify POS Go mobile device. Easy peasy. And if there's ever a question, Shopify's award-winning support is there to answer your questions. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lisk, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lisk to take your retail business to the next level today. One last time, go to shopify.com slash lisk. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Let's move on because there's two more, and these are witnesses. They've not signed affidavits as of yet that we know of. And these are pretty, a little simpler. Why don't you go into those and, and just set those up for us? And then we can just kind of talk about your thoughts on what this means and, wh- and what it could mean and what they could check out to corroborate all this. Okay, so John Ray said there was a third witness who lives in Oklahoma City, and she did not want to sign a statement. This witness claimed that she got picked up by Rex Heuerman in Queens and that she performed oral sex on Rex Heuerman at a park in Flushing, Queens. And at some point, I think Rex Heuerman allegedly told this witness to get another customer and then allegedly was threatening her that he was going to kill her. And she suggested that that this man, Rex, was a guy who likes to play games with sex workers. And then the fourth witness also lives in another state, according to John Ray. And apparently she had met Rex Heuerman a number of times and basically suggested that he was pretty nice to her, that she didn't have a problem with him. And then John Ray was concluding at his press conference saying of Heuerman, he was a serial user of sex workers. They would sometimes come to his house, sometimes two at a time. Yes. And that was basically the end of the press conference until we started asking some questions. And then one thing she did say, I think, with that last witness was that Asa was there sometimes when they would visit the house. And she came out one time saying, accusing someone of taking an iron and the driver had to look for the iron and then realized no one took their iron. So obviously, thank you for sharing those with us, you know, and... You guys can find the press conference if you want. It's it's really interesting. John Ray is an interesting fella, and he has done some good work on this over the years. And there's stuff I question at times, but he is he is he's doing his best for the for the for the Gilbert family. I think. So what what was your takeaway? What did you think about once you start looking at it? And um, cause there's wild claims. I mean, they're sensational claims. And, you know, as a reporter who's been around for four decades, I always believe anything is possible. But just the circumstances of the press conference were unusual. Having the police commissioner go to John Ray's office in Miller Place and afterwards the Suffolk County District Attorney, Raymond Tierney, who was personally prosecuting the case involving the Gilgo Four, put out a statement and he did not sound very pleased about the events of the press conference. Yeah. what do you, I mean, you know this world. 
what what do you think's going on there what is what is harrison doing commissioner harrison what's tyranny doing and again i'm not trying to dig up dirt or cause strife it's just like it seems like they weren't on the same page there you know he put out a strong statement i don't know if you'd like me to read it yeah why don't you this is from this is from ray tyranny the the district attorney who is trying the case for rex he's personally trying the case which is unusual so very soon after this press conference by John Ray and Police Commissioner Harrison, the District Attorney of Suffolk County, Raymond Tierney, issued a statement saying, without providing any advance notice to the prosecutors pursuing this case in court or the Gilgo Beach Homicide Task Force members investigating these murders day in and day out, we watched today's press conference not knowing what was going to be reported. We will continue to investigate this case through the grand jury process and not through press conferences. No private attorneys are or have ever been members or agents of the task force. Any citizen who believes that they have relevant evidence regarding the Gilgo Beach investigation should report it to the investigative agencies that comprise the task force. Those agencies are the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, the Suffolk County Police Department's Homicide Bureau, Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, New York State Police, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Any attorneys representing victims or their families, by definition, have a conflict of interest and should not be part of the investigation. Accordingly, private attorneys are not part of the task force, and potential witnesses should not be reaching out to a private attorney with an interest in the outcome of the case. So, Mary Murphy, what what do you take away from this tension between, you know, these people here in, in Suffolk County? What do you what do you think about it? There is politics in every walk of life uh, in my industry, in the priesthood. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Usually politics gets in the middle of things. The yeah. task force was formed in early 2022. Uh, Commissioner Harrison had just spent 30 years with the NYPD. He said from the get-go that the Gilgo Beach investigation would be a priority, and he vowed to solve the case. Suffolk County DA Ray Tierney had just been elected at the end of 2021, started office at the same time pretty much as Rodney Harrison. So the task force was formed, and within six weeks, investigators had isolated Rex Yorman as the prime person of interest. And this was a highly successful outcome for both the police commissioner and the district attorney. Once the evidence is presented to the district attorney, and there was a lot of it, then kind of the ball is in his court and he takes over the case and has to figure out a way to connect the dots and present this to a jury at a trial and get a conviction. So I guess there's always going to be tension on a really big case, and this is a huge case. It's international in scope. Everyone knows about it. The the person accused of being the serial killer, his wife comes from Iceland, I believe. So, And in fact, one of the things that was said in the affidavit, I think it was by the first witness, she claimed that the wife felt she owed everything to Rex Ewerman, that he had taken her out of her country, that he was rich. So, you know, just a lot of things said, you, you'd, you'd really have to vet them to know what's true and what's not worth. It's just a, a lot of claims are being made and it's unusual yeah. for them to get publicity in this fashion yeah and i i think i land on this 
for what it's worth, I, I, I appreciate Harrison. You know, we just talked to him um, a few days ago and we had an episode come out and it was nice of him to sit down with us. And I think he's really trying to be open after, you know, a decade plus of just kind of some stonewalling and obviously some incompetence at the beginning. And so, you know, if he's embracing John Ray to say, hey, we're open to everything, I'm okay with that. And I hope him and Tierney work it out just so there's no ill effects on the case because that's the most important thing. And there are stuff they, they can vet, like that first witness, you know, can they find this NYPD um, officer, RW, that she, you know, was in love with, she said, and did a lot of swinging with. So they should be able to get some, you know, some backup there. And the same with the cabbie, I think, you know, you can hunt down some of those records and stuff and prove some of the stories. And it's not that, you know, you want to take people at face value, I think, but you also have to realize people come out of the woodwork, whether they are involved or not, to say stuff. So you have to vet that. And uh, I think they'll do that. And we'll see what see how this pans out, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I work on missing persons cases in New York. And I, uh, one of the stories aired the other night, and this person called me from the Bronx and said, oh, we saw this woman. We saw her on the bench. The deli owner saw her on the bench. And, you know, it, it sounds promising as a lead, but there are a lot of leads that come in on cases. And they all have to be pursued or discounted or found to be true. Yeah, and that's where I, you know, I think I I trust Commissioner Harrison enough that he is going to check some of this out before he gets behind John Ray. But yeah, it's true that a lot of, you know, and he had talked about this, tons of tips come in and they got to go through them all. And because who knows where it leads. I don't think it changes anything right now about Shannon's story as far as, you know, the night she went missing. But it could give us, you know, more insight into Rex and, and what he was up to, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't change probably the circumstances of the night that Shannon disappeared. Interestingly enough, when John Ray held the press conference, he told me that right before he came back to his office, he had been doing another deposition with Joe Brewer. And that was Shannon Gilbert's client the night that she disappeared from Oak Beach. Yeah. He has been on this for a long time. And I know he, you know, some people credit him with helping keep it, you know, keep it in the spotlight, keeping attention on it. And I think you do have to give him some credit for that. And I think now we just have to see how this information pans out and what does it mean for the case. But hopefully it doesn't cause too much division within, you know, the uh, the SCPD and the, and the DA's office. Well, I don't think that the press conference is going to impact the case that's already been presented to the grand jury. I mean, the, there, there were 32 pages of material that we found the first day, we were given the first day, uh, that detailed evidence against Rex Ewerman. So I think that the DA feels he has a solid case with the first three murder charges that were leveled against Rex Ewerman. And Commissioner Harrison said at the press conference this week that he thinks the DA is ready to make an announcement on the fourth person, the fourth member of the Gilbert mm-hmm. Four, who is Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that's coming up that you you have some eyes on that we should be looking out for? No, I have to, you know, this came out of the blue, this press conference. It was sort of a surprise to all of us, and we had to get ourselves out to Eastern Long Island. You know, we have other cases to pursue. I do a lot of missing persons, as I mentioned. We had the daycare fentanyl overdoses of the babies 
that happened about a month ago. Yeah. So, you know, the Gilgo case is one of the biggest stories of the year for us uh, because I followed it for so long. But there are other cases that I also have to follow. And so when this happened this week, it was a surprise. And certainly the contents of the affidavits, the sworn statements were shocking. And the next hearing with Rex Zimmerman is supposed to be November 15th. Yeah, well, I just want to encourage our audience, if you're not following Mary Murphy's work um, at PIX11, get on it because she is covering not just Rex, but she covers a lot of great stuff and a lot of hard stuff coming out of the New York area there. Mary, thank you again for spending the time with us and just helping us understand that. There's a lot of questions and we'll probably do a follow-up to figure out how some of this pans out. Um, but thank you for your time and good luck with your One next story. Thing. I know you're busy. Yes, Would it please. be okay to mention that on Facebook, my handle is Mary Murphy Mystery because I handle a lot of mysteries. And then on Twitter, yes. I'm at Murphy Picks, P-I-X. So I try to update on Twitter, which is now called X, whenever yes. there's a development in the Gilgo case. And I think people appreciate it because it seems like they're responsive when I put out some new information. So if people want to follow That's me, great. I'm Murphy Picks on Twitter and Mary Murphy Mystery on Facebook. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, audience, go check out Mary's stuff. Um, she's on top of it and she's been doing it for a long time, even though she's only like 40, right? <laughs> I just look 40. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Mary, thanks again. We really appreciate the time. We know you're busy. So thank you for sitting down with us. Thank you, Chris. Bye. That concludes our episode with Mary Murphy. A big thanks to her for taking the time. She's not just covering this story. She's covering all the big stories out of New York. So we appreciate any time she can give us. And hopefully we can do a follow-up with her once more information about these witnesses is known and any more of this situation between Tierney and Harrison as it plays out. And as we sit in the podcast, we hope it does not affect the case. We will do a follow-up to make sure we're covering any questions that come up and any answers that we can have and if you're enjoying these podcasts please take a second to go rate and review uh, and tell your friends because it helps people find us and it gets the case out there so we appreciate that this has been a mopac audio production i am your host chris moss our senior producer is shannon mcgarvey our executive producers are jonathan beal and jonathan now and music by blake maples the views, speculation, conjecture, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers, guests, and the hosts. They do not reflect or represent the policy or views held by Mopac Audio LLC or any broadcaster of this podcast. Any and all suspects discussed on this podcast are considered innocent until guilt is established in a court of law and any allegations, speculation, opinion, or conjecture about any suspect is subject to such presumption of innocence.